Hey everyone, welcome to Huron Chapel. We're so glad you could join us for today's podcast. If you have any questions or want to learn how you can be more engaged with our church, check us out online at huronchapel.com. Thanks for listening and enjoy today's podcast. So when Glenn and I are in Cape Cod, I look forward to beginning my day there at the ocean at sunrise. And I told you before, I bring a Bible and a journal and uh, start, love start my day that way. Back in November 3rd, 2015, I began bringing a, a commentary, a Bible commentary with me, First Samuel. And, you know, I'm not sure why. I can't remember why did I start bringing a commentary and why First Samuel. Because commentaries don't tend to be... You know, so devotional in nature, they're more educational, technical, more information. Devotional books are a little more practical, applying to daily life. However, as I read through this commentary in 1 Samuel, I was captivated by the lessons I was learning. It was so great to go deeper and to see how God is at work and uh, learn things I didn't know before. So today we're beginning a series called Response, and uh, we're going to be looking at 1 Samuel chapters 1 to 7, because every Every moment, really every moment in our life, we respond. We respond to news, whether it's good or bad. We respond to people, respond to situations. Someone called the church this morning, and uh, I thought, well, that's nice. They, want, they didn't ask what sermon is Mark, Pastor Mark speaking on, or, or they wanted to know, will there be coffee today? <laughs> and I get that response. I, I get that. I get the importance of that. But we're going to be speaking about times, you know, when we respond in anguish because of despair in our life. We're going to be responding, we're going to talk about times when we respond in worship, we cry out the praise to God. And, uh, you know, we'll begin in chapter 1, we're going to work our way through the first seven chapters, section by section. Except today, I'm kind of jumping ahead, starting at chapter 3, to lay the foundation for really this series as we look at our response in the area of following. I'm a follower of Jesus and what that means. I'm going to begin with a quote from Aristotle, a philosopher who said, He who cannot be a good follower cannot be a good leader. It's in your notes as well. You may I might not have put that one in, but you'll see some of those in your notes. So what do you think? Is he right? He said this because the traits of a good, successful leader are actually similar to that of a great, successful follower. Uh, there are people, you know, who want to lead, but they fail at leadership because they never learned first how to be a good follower. Uh, there are traits we learn first as followers that enable us to become great leaders. Both leaders and followers have to be, you know, they're loyal. Uh, they need to learn from their mistakes. They need to be great goal setters. They need to be patient, ambitious, enthusiastic, adaptable, and organized. And more that we could list. Uh, a very Michael Hyatt, he's a very uh, successful author, blogger, and was a publisher for Nelson. He wrote this. He said, I contend that if you want to be a great leader, you must first become a great follower. And then he goes on to says this quote, History's worst leaders never learn to follow. Think about it. Some of the great failures, the tyrants, never learn to follow. But here lies the problem. See, people don't naturally aspire to be a great follower. They, they don't want to be known as a follower. They want to jump right into the role of leadership because that's where the, the respect or the power they think is. 
And I guess the world would kind of want to support that idea because if you go to like uh, Amazon.com and just kind of do a quick survey of books of how to be a great leader, there's hundreds, if not thousands. And you had a quick survey of a book called entitled Who, How to Be a Great Follower. There wasn't one that I could find. I'm sure there is, but a quick survey, there was none. So it's like, yeah, everybody wants to be a great leader, but if you get to be a great leader, you must become first a great follower. And that's what God is trying to get across to us in the Bible. Jesus is calling us to be a great followers. He says, come follow me. That's what Jesus says. Come follow me and I'll show you how to fish for people. Then Jesus said to his disciples, and if he wants to be my follower, get this, you must give up your own way. How easy is that? Take up your cross and follow me. That's what you've got to become. Follow me. Surrender. Give up. Put away your agenda. Put away everything and just really, here I am, Lord, and then start following me. When he called uh, the tax collector after this, Jesus went out and saw a tax collector by the name of Levi sitting at his tax booth. He said, follow me. That's all he said. Follow me. That's what he said to Matthew. Follow me. That's what he said to Philip. Follow me. Jesus does not begin with go and lead. But come and follow. And the pattern where great leaders first become great leaders or followers is a pattern laid out for us in the Bible. And I bet you would you would know this. If I said uh, Joshua followed who? Do you remember? Moses for like, what, 40 years before he took the children into the promised land. Um, Elisha served who? Elijah. Uh, for 10 years before he took on, you know, his, man, his mantle fell on him and he went and performed even more miracles. The Apostle Paul followed Jesus for three years. We made lots of mistakes. Right before he and his fellow disciples did something, what the Bible says this, that's how they, this is how they describe what they did. They turned the world upside down. Imagine that in your resume. You go for a job interview and say, oh, so I see you've turned the world upside down. How did you do that? Following Jesus. That's all I did. We read this morning where, where Samuel is called to leadership. Three times God says, Samuel, an audible voice is spoken and heard because God has a mission for him to carry out, right? And at the all the rest of the book, we see God using Samuel as a leader. Samuel embarks on this amazing journey, but notice Samuel, who Samuel was, and the verse just prior to God calling him into leadership. Samuel 3.1, which is our text today, we read that Samuel was first called to be a follower before he became a great leader. Let's read that, 1 Samuel 3.1. Meanwhile, the boy served the Lord. This is how he did it, by assisting Eli. He served the Lord by being a follower, by assisting the chief priest of the temple. He served the Lord this way. He became a follower before Jesus called him into leadership. And the anchor to Samuel's calling to become a great leader, we'll read about in the coming weeks, you know, that he becomes, is found in that passage. It's found in the fact that Samuel was willing to be nothing, to, to assist, to be a follower to Eli. And in this way, he was serving the Lord. And the Lord said, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to change your role now to that of a leader. And as Christians, we are followers of Jesus Christ. The Son of God, the promised one the Old Testament says is coming to save our sins, and He did, and died on the cross. And you and I say we're disciples and followers of Jesus. And here's what we learn about being a follower of Jesus today. Number one, a follower of Jesus is willing to be a student. He desires to learn. He does this. He does this through information. He gains information. Jesus said, students are not greater than their, than their teacher. But the student who is fully trained will become like a teacher. 
If you want to be a great leader, you must be a great follower. And a great follower is a student. He learns. He's, he's expanding his world. He's always looking to broaden his insight and lean not on his own understanding, as the Bible would say it. So let me tell you this. I'll tell you why I'm saying this in a moment. But I, let me tell you this I, about myself. I, okay, so I studied theology at a bachelor's level. Studied church leadership at a master's level. Okay, I pastored 28 years in churches larger and smaller than our own. Um, been part of churches with staff from 20 to 40. Uh, with God's help, helped lead churches through decline and stagnation to turn a corner into growth. Because that's my passion. And yet, I would also tell you, I still need to gain, gain greater insight. And information. I would tell you also in recent weeks, oh, I say at least twice, maybe three times, visit uh, with Claren, who was here last Sunday, a regional minister, talking to him. I uh, had an extensive conversation with Eugene, who was a church consultant, to help lead our church through transition before uh, I came here. I was online with Pastor Ray from Church Renewal for an hour. I met and spoke with EMC pastors in the last few weeks. Uh, Pastor uh, Ralph from Mitchell, Pastor Dave from Sarnia. I'm reading a book right now on organizational health by Patrick Lee Lencioni, one of my favorite authors, called The Advantage. I spent an evening with another EMCC church that has a similar background as ours in Sarnia. And they invited me down to their board meeting so I could ask questions and learn from them what they went through, the processes they went through. And all this I'm doing because I'm speaking to mostly about going to two services, about church leadership, about things I want to gain understanding on. Ask them questions. Why? Because I'm still trying to gain and learn insight. I'm a follower. I'm a disciple. I'm, you know, I'm wanting to come before people and say, you know, leaders who've done this and are, would you speak to me? Would you, would you share with me? Would, would you help me to grow? And if you want to be a great follower, you need to humble yourself, become a student, and learn. Uh, for 40 years, uh, an organization called Ridge Training has helped um, people and organizations to perform better together. And one of the lessons they teach us is this. When you are following, you are actually leading. You want to be a great leader, you've got to be a follower. When you're actually following is when you're leading. When a follower seeks to gain more insight, to enlarge the world understanding, they're helping that organization. They're the ones who get things uh, done. They don't lean on their own understanding. So having said this in your notes, having said all that, a good leader, a follower, disciple, is able to tell you who he's learning from. That's so important. Because he's actually learning from people. A person who exemplifies the opposite qualities of a follower and a student is called a detractor. I don't use that word a lot, but a detractor. Where disciples willing to expand their world, expand their insight, a detractor pretty much keeps to their own understanding and lives in a very small world and will not change and expand and gain insight and information. According to Bible.org, one of the telltale signs of a detractor is they invoke the use of nameless others to support their opinion. Now, you know what I mean by this, right? I'm sure this has happened to you before. It's happened to me. They'll come to you and say, there are some people, right, grumbling about blah, 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 blah. Or some people come to me and tell me blah, 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 blah. Or there are others, others who feel the same way that I do about blah, 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 blah. The tractors love to invoke nameless others on you. They hide behind, hide behind ambiguity. They're, they hide behind mystery. They're trying to instill fear in you by saying, there are others, nameless others, who support me, but they remain a mystery. 
Uh, years ago, this happens all the time. Years ago, I had one fellow who did that. You know, there's others who feel this way. They said, come on, who are they? Well, I don't really want to say, no, no, who are they? I need to know. I will, I will talk to you and deal with it. But you got to tell me who they are. Who are the others? Well, it's my wife. <laughs> Disciples can actually name who they're learning from because they're actually learning. They don't hide behind others. They'll tell you, I'm speaking here, I'm reading this, I'm doing this. If you know something, help me. I'm going to this conference. I'm reading this book. And ultimately, as followers of Jesus Christ, we are learning from him. And the Bible says, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not depend on your own understanding. That's a hump some people just can't get over. Seek his will in all you do, and he will show you which path to take. That's what we're doing. God, what is your will? Teach me. Expand my world. Don't let me get stuck in Mark Royal world. Expand my world. But there's a problem here with this. I was sent an article this week where the poll was conducted by the Church of England on their own members. And of their own members, it says 60% of self-declared followers of the church admit they never read the Bible. 60%. I don't even read the Bible. And 36% say they never attend church. And one-third of them said, I don't pray. And the article went on to say that more than half of those who identify themselves as Christians across all denominations admitted they never read the Bible. And one in three say they never attend church. I'm wondering, well, where are we gaining our insight from? Where, where, are we, where, are we, where are we gaining the pathway and not leaning on our own understanding if we're not looking and listening to the Lord? So I, I'm very excited to hear that 100, 108 people have signed up or are in part of a small group uh, study. Um, that's great. That's exciting in our church. Number two, a follower of Jesus desires to imitate his Lord. He seeks this through experience. We talk about information, now we're talking about experience. You don't just learn to obtain more information. You don't just learn about Jesus just so you have the information. You learn to apply the information and gain experience so we'll see later you can become like Jesus. Paul wrote to the Christians in Corinth, he said, and you should imitate me just as I imitate Christ. Another place he says, so I urge you to imitate me. Uh, <laughs> I probably began seeing the value of gaining experience by getting out of just learning knowledge, which is important, that's the first point, but applying it and gaining experience in high school. Because in high school, I went to this unique school in Toronto called Aaron Lane. It met in Ryerson. Um, every day I got on the TTC bus in Scarborough, went down the subway, took it to college, got off and walked to Ryerson where I went to this high school for a couple of years. And it was unique because they would apply. They didn't want to just keep you in the classroom. They would say, okay, if you're interested in music, we're, we're going to get you involved in music at a, at a very, I mean, high level. So they got me a job, if I told you, with Triumph, a band I listened to growing up, had their own offices, their own boardrooms. They were, you know, they're internationally known, playing with Journey and Van Halen. And I got to be in the studio, one of three people with them, while they did an album and was sitting on board meetings with bankers and all this. And I'm gaining all this experience. It was, it was great. And then, you know, how, well, how about the radio business? I studied radio from a technical book, but they, they got me hooked up with uh, Larry Wilson, a, a DJ at Chum FM who became a friend. Great DJ. I listened to him. I knew who he was. 
When the Rolling Stones came into town, they called Larry to introduce them at their concerts. And I'd call up at night and say, Larry, can I come down, hang out? Sure, come down, hang out, and learn radio right there in Chum FM, in the studio. For drama, <laughs> we just didn't go to a drama class in the gym. They got me into this professional drama class with this leader who was so well-known. She was like this bohemian gypsy kind of lady. But one of my students that I took the class with was Michael Ironside, who was in Top Gun with Tom Cruise. And we was, did it. We, we practiced uh, drama. One of the, this could be off topic a bit, but one of the... Uh, I had to do a scene with this girl in my, my school called Karen uh, and talk about experience. Um, so we had to do this scene where I had... A, I remember I had a bike, and, and she was... And I was going off to war or then the underground or something, and I was saying goodbye to her. She was supposed to be the love of my life. And I'm reading the script, we're going through it, and, I go, and it gets to one point and it says, kiss her goodbye. I'm 17 years old. I went, no, no, no. Got to the scene. I said, goodbye. The drama teacher went, Scott, stop it. You cannot do that. You can't do it that way. No, 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 no. You can't kiss her like your grandmother or your mother. This is the lady who you have known that you're in love with. And, and you're saying goodbye. Then you're going off to war and you may never see each other. You just don't go peck her up. You got to have kiss with passion. So I did the drama scene again with passion and fervor and, and goodbye. No, 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 no. <laughs> so I kid you not, this is true. She had us come in for after-class homework. <laughs> Got the two of us to meet together, no one else to practice kissing. Until it became so natural that people would believe us. So we, yeah, we got together and we practiced. <laughs> A lot. <laughs> homework was good. And that's what we did, like, for an hour until it got so natural and real that people would believe. My friends, I was telling my friends, they were going to their parents saying, can we go to the same school that Mark goes to? <laughs> I'll do homework, honest, Mom, honest, Dad. But those experiences from high school taught me that it isn't just gaining information, it's practicing and putting into practice. That's why I love being mentored. Not just getting information, but getting involved. Being involved. Uh, you know, Clarence's message last Sunday was really, a, I think, God sent, God's giving us something he wants us to know because I never, he never told me what he was preaching on. I never told him what I was preaching on, but he spoke on discipleship. Really, this is a message on discipleship. And he gave two questions that were already in my notes. In fact, after the message, I ran out and go, look, I'm asking the same two questions you're asking. God is obviously involved in this and wants us to know. And this is it. A disciple is always asking themselves these two questions. You remember them last week. What is Jesus saying? And secondly, what am I doing in response? The saying speaks of, you know, that information part, and we need to gain information, but the response speaks of gaining practical experience and putting what we know into practice. So I'd ask you, what is Jesus saying to you about your life these days, if you're listening? What is he asking you to trust him where you're not? What is he encouraging you to become? What areas in your life are you saying, these are habits that I really want you to stop, and there's new habits I would love you to do because it would be better for you. It's the pathway I would have for you to walk on. What are you learning from Jesus? What are you hearing from him? But more than that, what is your response? What are you going to do about it? That's how I think Clarence said it. What are you going to do about it? We're calling this series response because it isn't enough just to hear and understand. There's a part we have to respond, which is so crucial, crucial in our growth.
John Wimber says this, it's in your notes. He says, the disciple is always ready to take the next step, right? Gain that bigger world. Is there anything that character, if there's anything that characterizes Christian maturity, it is the willingness to become a beginner again for Jesus Christ. I love that. It is the willingness to put your hand in his and say, I'm scared to death, but I'll go with you. I love that line. The willingness to become a beginner for Jesus Christ. It reminds me that, that we grow, we'll, we'll ask for, for, there'll be times when we must step out of our comfort zone. We're saying, God, I really do not want to go there, but I know it's part of the growth, I know it's part of me growing, part of the church growing. And we follow Jesus, and we put our hand in his, his hand and say, Lord, I'm facing change, and this is not comfortable, but I'm scared to death, but I'm going to go, I'm going to step out with you. And that's certainly true for our church this year. We have faced many changes. We're facing more changes because of growth, all because we're putting uh, uh, into practice what Jesus is saying. And I know it's tough. I know sometimes people find it tough. Few people find it tough. I'm hoping to get another staff member. I'm telling. I'll be honest. I'm not being dramatic, but I'm going morning to night. I really am, and I'm draw- and I'm not getting everything done. Um. I'm hoping that more people we go to service will allow more people to come and know Jesus. That's all. We know that larger churches function differently than smaller ones. And we can become afraid. But I believe that's where the Lord is leading, and I believe we're in line with the Scripture. You must hear. You must learn. You can read your Bible and agree, yes, yes, all that. Yes, about making disciples. Yes, about growth. But then you got to respond. And if you're like me, you become afraid. Is it the right thing? I feel like you're asking me to do this, and you 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 want to. But you, okay, here's my hand. And you must experience what you're learning. When we do a hearing God seminar, like we did the last couple of days here. We don't just learn information. We practice it right in the workshop. We practice hearing from God. It's not enough just to say, okay, let's, how do we do this? But we do it. When we do our set-free workshop, we did one. We're going to do one again soon sometime. Um, we didn't talk just about being set-free. We just didn't go information and fill in the blanks. We went into practice. Remember that in triads? We went to, with practice in the gym, being set-free. With the hope and the opportunity that people come and say, yeah, I learned about set free, and I was set free. We're encouraged to try out, to put into practice, and experience what we say we believe. When our kids have to study Ontario Driver's Handbook and go to classes, ultimately they won't learn how to drive from that book or from lectures. At some point, they have to sit behind the wheel of a car and scare the dickens out of mom and dad. I taught one of my daughters to drive. She's she's academic whiz. She can gain information, learn information. She's academically, I mean, just way beyond anybody in her family. But when it came to driving, oh, I was the one that took her out. And I remember, I'll just tell you one story. We drove into our laneway, and I thought that was it, but no, she kept going. <laughs> right in the garage door, $600. But, you know, it was the best $600 I spent because she's now driving every day as a teacher back and forth to school down in uh, Hamilton, St. Catharines area. Because discipline is primarily about imitation over information. Can you get that? 
Discipleship is about imitation over information. Apostle Paul says it this way. Dear brothers and sisters, pattern your lives after mine and learn from those who follow our example. He says, keep putting into practice all you learn. Keep putting into practice what you learn and receive from me everything you heard from me and saw me doing. Don't just say, that was good information, but put into practice. And I, I find those verses challenging because I want to ask myself, am I putting into practice what I'm learning from Jesus and the, his followers? And, and the second question is this, am I becoming worth others following? Am I worth others following? Is what I'm becoming worth my kids following me, my family, my friends, especially the unsaved, is it, is it worth for them to say, I would, I like, I see Jesus in dad, I see Jesus in Mark, and there's something there that I just know that is, you know, that, that, that I want to know about and become. I know it's not him, it's, it's Jesus in him. For my kids' sake, oh, yeah, for friends and family, which leads to my final point. A follower of Jesus desires to help others become like Jesus. We do this through relationships. Talk about information. Talk about experience. Now, our relationships. And what I hope you see is that being a disciple is all becoming like. It's all about becoming like Jesus, and then helping others to become like Jesus. It's relationship. And becoming like Jesus is the greatest thing we could ever wish for someone, isn't it? I was saying to someone, uh, I was saying, I think in hearing God's seminar uh, the other day, my kids become like Jesus is the greatest thing that I could ever hope for. More than they're good at sports, you're good at school, you have money, you're like Jesus. Oh. So we've been speaking about discipleship in terms of IER. I stands for information. E experience our relationships. And the Bible says this about relationships. And iron, as iron sharpens iron, so a friend sharpens a friend. And this is one of the purposes of what we're, what we're here for today as church. We are family. We are friends who help sharpen one another to where we become an effective instrument and a disciple in the kingdom of God. And sometimes we would confess being sharpened by another proves abrasive at times. But we need it. We must have it. We must be engaged in the sharpening of one another. I love this quote. Discipleship is spiritual reduction. We get that. It's not filling in the blanks. It's changing lives. That's the challenge. And I hope we would want to do this, that this would become our desire, that we'd be eager to become, and not only become, but to make disciples, is the way God designed us to experience the fullness of life. It's where we become disciples, not detractors. We say, Jesus, I'm following you. I'm humbling myself. I'm not leaning on my own understanding. I'm gaining insight, expanding my world. I was reading from Psalm 145 this week, and it says this, One generation... Commend your works to another. That's discipleship. They tell of your mighty acts. They speak of glorious splendor of your majesty. And I will meditate on your wonderful works. They tell of the power of your awesome works. And I will proclaim your great deeds. They celebrate your abundant goodness. And joyfully sing of your righteousness. The church thrives and it grows and it continues when one generation seeks to disciple the next generation. If that weren't true, we would not be here today. Can I tell you who believes that? The Chinese communist government believes that. 
Um, they're all aware of the power of discipleship. David Sparling sent me an article this week, and it says Chinese government are cracking down on Christianity, telling more than 100 Christian churches that children are now forbidden from attending church services and joining Christian groups. That was just a few days ago, last week. They're also forbidding, forbidding school teachers from attending Christian church because they want to prevent one generation passing on to the next generation. The government of China is trying to keep one generation from sharing and discipling and modeling and explaining and experiencing to the next, uh, so the next generation can experience those things. So one, Psalm 145 says, One generation commends your works to another. They tell of your mighty acts. They speak of your glory, splendor, of your majesty. And I'm going to meditate on your wonderful works. And notice the older generation disciples the next generation. And the younger generation responds by saying, you know, I'm going to meditate on this. I'm going to celebrate this, um, these things. And I am going to celebrate these things through information, experience, and relationship. The younger generation says, I'm going to meditate on your wonderful works. I'll proclaim your good deeds. There is a witness and a testimony that you and I have as older generation, which directly influences and encourages the next generation towards God. And the Chinese government gets this. They try persecuting the church, and that's not working because the church in China is larger than it is in Canada and soon will be larger than it is in North America. So what's plan B? Let's get discipleship done. Let's, let's, let's attack that. We will not let kids go to church. We will not let teachers go to church. We'll do anything we can to stop this generation talking to the next generation. Maybe that will work. Maybe that's where we can cut them off. Conclusion. I heard someone say it this way. I like this. A disciple is the kind of person who becomes the kind of person Jesus would be. That's our goal. That's our mission. Through information, through experience, through relationship, to be the kind of person who becomes the kind of person Jesus would be. And you know what? This doesn't happen all at once. You notice that? To be the kind of person Jesus would be is going to take work. It's going to take change. It's going to step out of your comfort zone. It's going to reach your hand into his hand. It's going to listen. It's going to step out and practice and build relationships with people. It's going to take an attitude of humility. We have to become more teachable. It requires a lifetime process of learning, becoming. It's about information. It's about experience. It's about relationships. But it's worth it. Because wouldn't you like to be the kind of person who shows others what Jesus is like? Thanks for listening to today's podcast. We make these messages available to give you a window into our church, but also an open doorway for you to enter into our community. Our Sunday services are at 9 a.m. and 11 a.m., and we look forward to seeing you soon. Please remember to visit hereonchapel.com for more information about our church.